Welcome to the LU Moment, where we showcase all the great events, activities, programs, and people right here at Lamar University. I'm Daniel McLemore, Associate Director of Marketing here at LU, and I want to welcome everyone back to this week's show. With summer officially here, we have a number of summer camps for youth in our area to attend. LU's hosting camps nearly every week during the summer for kindergartners all the way up through the 12th grade. We have sports camps for softball, we have baseball, basketball, volleyball, and we even have a football camp as well. Plus, we have plenty of academic camps for you. We have computer science, we have engineering, and lots more. Not to mention all of our fabulous choir and band camps that happen every year as well. You can learn more about those summer camps and register on our website at lamar.edu slash summer camps. If you know someone who's thinking about or planning to attend Lamar University this fall, we're excited to welcome them to the Cardinal family. Our Division of Student Engagement is hosting nine new student orientations for incoming freshmen, with one specifically dedicated to students transferring in from other colleges. New Student Orientation, or NSO as we sometimes call it, is designed to help students transition into college life here at LU. While you attend NSO, uh, or I'm sorry, when you attend NSO, students will receive all the information they need to feel confident when stepping on campus for the first day of class. Register online today at lamar.edu slash orientation. Dates are filling up fast and we cannot wait to see all of our Cardinals here on campus. With us today, we have Dr. Christina Gregory. She's the Assistant Professor of Political Science here at Lamar University. Dr. Gregory, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. So first, can you kind of give me a little background about yourself? What, what, uh, what brought you here to LU? Where are you from? What's your background? Well, I'm from Southern California, so... A little ways away. A little bit away, <laughs> yeah. So I kind of grew up all over Southern California. Um, and went to undergraduate there and then spent a little bit of time in Boston earning a master's degree in history and then went back to Southern California to get my PhD. Um, so kind of coast to coast. And so I thought it was time to come kind of somewhere <laughs> kind else. Kind of go somewhere in the middle, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to Texas then. Thank you. And so I how- needed a place with good Mexican food <laughs> and not blizzards. So. Well, we've got the perfect mix between Mexican and Cajun is what I say. That's what I've heard. <laughs> Close enough to Louisiana to still eat some crawfish, but uh, yeah, there you go. Yep. So what uh, what brought you to LU specifically? Um, so right before COVID kind of shut everything down, mm-hmm. um, they advertised for an assistant professor, and I applied. I did the phone interview, and then literally 24 hours after they were like, oh, we would like to fly you out, everything shut down. Oh, and my so, um, but they remembered me so um when they were like so we're picking back up and we would love to still have you come out and i was like i will be there first flight that i can so <laughs> that, that that was a uh, that was a fun time wasn't it everything just shutting down trying to figure out what was, was going on it was definitely an odd time that's for sure yep yep so what uh what got your start in political science how did that happen uh so i always grew up i in my family we would have dinner every night and we just we talked about everything. We talked about current events, what was happening in the world, politics, and it was to me, I just I loved it. I embraced it. And we were even as kids, our parents wanted us to think and share our opinions and be critical and I just kind of took that and embraced it and ran with it. And so I've just always been interested in politics. What what's your what's your favorite thing about about that that politics type thing? Well, I study personally my 
I've always been studying comparative. So like looking at other countries outside the U.S., I think mm -hmm. because I can't distance myself from the politics happening here in the U.S. It's a little too close to home. Right. Um, but I'm still very much that person who like looks up all of the candidates and like looking up to see like what their pages are and their Facebook pages. And so I still really enjoy American politics, but historically I haven't studied it. But. So you really enjoy whenever you get the uh, assignment, compare and contrast. Yes. <laughs> I do. <laughs> that was always the ones that I, I felt like I could do a lot with because I can I can tell you a lot of similarities and find a lot of differences. That's just what I like to do. But. And that's the fun part, yep. learning new things and comparing, even just comparing it to here in the U.S. with our experience. And I've just always enjoyed that. Awesome. So you were actually recently awarded with a time-honored tradition award here yes. at Lamar University, uh, kind of putting time-honored in quotes here because it's called the Keeper of the Clock. Yes, it is. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what that is and how that came about. Um, so they bought a clock a long time ago, way before I, I think, even went to grad school. <laughs> um, and so they bought it for this classroom that kind of all of the majors congregated in and spent a lot of time in. And they noticed one day that it had just stopped working. And I did ask, they did try changing the batteries and stuff. <laughs> um, but so they decided, the students that year got together and they decided to gift the clock to a faculty member that they voted on. And it's just been something that they've been doing every year since I believe 2015 where they the students decide who is going to be the keeper of the clock for the following year so it's it's a really fun charming tradition of seeing how the students and the faculty interact with each other right, right. and the, the clock has a name old blue old blue yes okay I assume the clock is blue, right? Yes. Okay. The, the clock is blue, yes. <laughs> It'd be different if the clock was red, right? That would probably then be old red, but yes. <laughs> uh, and so that that clock was uh, is awarded each year to a, a different professor within the department? Yes. So when we do our annual uh, end of the year party slash award ceremony, this is the one where the students get to award something to the faculty members. Yeah. The students are usually the ones getting the awards, but they flipped it around this one. They do. And like yeah. I said, it's fun to see. And I feel very honored since um, it's my first year and I <laughs> haven't met all of the students. I've met most of them, but right. some of them haven't met me personally, but they've, I guess, heard of me. So. <laughs> there you go. So uh, what, what are some of the courses that you teach here? So I teach the Intro to American Government One course, um, which is our kind of core course. But then I also teach the comparative politics courses. So this year we taught, um, we offered, I taught intro to comparative politics and then also comparative environmental policies. And then next year I'm introducing a new course on comparative civil military relations, which is kind of in my wheelhouse. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I like it. That might be one we, was, we should be interested in taking then. You are welcome to sit in if you like. <laughs> so let's change gears just a bit and let's talk about some of the research that you're currently working mm -hmm. on. So you received a grant uh, from the actual College of Arts and Sciences, the, the department that, or the, the college that, the, that houses the Department of Political Science. You've been studying the effects of military service on women veterans. So can you tell me a little bit about what you've kind of already found and maybe where you're headed with that? Sure. So... Right now, a colleague and I are doing a quantitative or statistical analysis looking at how service impacts female veterans in their life after their service. And there are 
literally decades of studies that have studied this for male veterans, but there's, when we started this project, only about a handful of studies that look at women. And I was putting together a database and I saw this pattern and I was just like, well, this is interesting because we know women are enlisting at much higher rates than ever before, particularly right. black women. And so to me, this was like a huge gap of knowledge. How is service impacting women in their life after they serve? And so uh, we know from our initial analysis that women like men do seem to receive um, higher earnings, so they get into higher paying jobs. They have a little bit of um, an educational boost, not as much or in the way that we mm -hmm. thought it would, which is interesting. Um, so we do know that it does seem to have positive impacts for women after they leave the military and go on and reintegrate into civilian society. Great. Well, why do you think this is an important thing to study? Well, like I said, women are enlisting at much higher rates. They've always been had a presence in the military, right. but they are today able to serve in every capacity. And once um, in 2013, the ban on combat was lifted. So every position is open to women and they can serve everywhere just like a man can. And so I think seeing once these opportunities became available and women want to serve in all these positions. And so seeing how their service impacts them once they retire from the yeah. military, um, I think it's very important because we should be supporting our veterans in every way possible. Absolutely. And so seeing how does military service impact a woman's life from deciding to get more college education or learning more trade skills and getting right. into a more technical field, um, or are they, is kind of a question, are they getting these things like the men have over the last 40, 50 years? And, and there's been plenty of studies, like you said, on on the, the benefits that males have, but, mm -hmm. but not necessarily the studies have been done on the women yet. Not as many, no. When I started this, I think there was probably about four or five um, studies, and they were all at a singular point in time looking at women in, um, like, for example, after 9-11, so 9-11 right. Veterans, um, And so what my study is different is we're looking at a much longer period of time. We're also looking at several more uh, social variables. So things like how does um, service impact things like your marriage, the number of children that you have compared to civilian women. Absolutely. So what, uh, what are you expecting to find in, in this qualitative portion of your search? Because you've done some quantitative, you've got a little yes. bit of data, but yes. what are you expecting to find on the qualitative side? So what I'm hoping to find is the what we would call the causal mechanism or the why. What is it about service that is causing these particular effects for women? And because statistics can tell us, yes, something does have an impact or how much, but it doesn't get to the what is actually happening here. And mm -hmm. so by interviewing women and hearing about you know, how choosing to go into the military, why they chose to go that route, um, and then what they took from that experience after their service, I think will really help us as a political scientist as a whole, but me as well, uh, will really help to understand what is it about your service that is going to have these much bigger impacts in your life afterwards. That's, that's fantastic. I love that. So, you know, when we talk about research, we always talk about what's, what's the why for the research, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what do you see as the outcomes for a study like this? What are you hoping for? 
Well, what I'm hoping is to be able to break this down because from our statistical analysis, my colleague and I are seeing that there are differences for women of different races and ethnicities. And so what I want to be able to find is how is it that different women from different cultural backgrounds and different races are having this same experience of being in the military, going through training and everything, uh, deployment, and but taking what they're taking out of it differently or how it's impacting them differently. And we have a lot of needed discussion about the challenges that women are facing while they serve. And I think while that is all very important, we need to also understand what their life is like when they leave the military so that we can better serve our veterans. Right, because data is power, right? Yes, you know, when knowledge you see is it, power. Knowledge is power, data is there, it all tells the story. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Is there anything about that study that, that we need to know about? There are any ways that we can help? Well, if you are a female veteran, I would love to interview you. That is uh, what I will be starting this summer is um, putting together the plan for conducting focus groups, interviews, and one-on-one interviews for women. I would love to be able to do it across the country, across all the different branches, uh, which is going to take some time, but going to be starting that this summer. Okay. Awesome. Sounds great. So... I'm going to put you on your toes here a little bit. Okay. (laughs) If this wasn't a good enough sales pitch as it is to join a political science department, uh, give me your sales pitch for anybody, any any student that's considering a degree in political science and specifically here at Lamar. What would you tell them? Well, I would say, first of all, political science is really just studying power. It's about studying the decisions of who gets what, when, why, and how in all the different ways from not just the military, but elections and um, who's actually running for elections and who's voting to who's serving and why. Um, I've historically studied wars and conflicts, so I'm studying why people fight each other. (laughs) But for Lamar specifically, we have an excellent program for people who are interested in becoming lawyers. Uh, We have a very good focus for people who are interested in pre-law. We have a very good success rate at getting students into really good law schools. And so while that is not what I specifically do, um, we do have a really good, strong pre-law focus in our department. So if you're just tuning in or couldn't stick around for the entire interview, you can tune in on uh, our Spotify channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search LU Moment. As always, be sure to follow us on social media. Just search Lamar University on your favorite social media platform. Thank you, Dr. Gregory, for joining us today. We really appreciate your insight. Thank you for having me. Of course. And this is Daniel McLemore, Associate Director of Marketing here at Lamar University, the pride of Southeast Texas.